Hey, this would make a great podcast. What do you say? Oh, don't be crazy. <laughs> Not everything's a podcast nowadays. Well, actually, everything hey, is nowadays, a yes, it is. That's Come on, help. Season three, banana. Season three, banana. Somebody went to season three, banana. Jeff and Scott and Mrs. C. With Blanche and John, the crew, a new movie. It's so much fun that you'll have to pee. It's gonna cure your apathy. And I'm we. It's the slum gullion. Still booking ghosts on the slum gullion. You're not getting ghosts on the slum gullion. Probably fade on the and welcome to the Slumgullion, America's only podcast. I'm Scott. Three hours in the future <laughs> is my partner, Jeff. And Ooh. in the same ethereal time zone, it's one of our favorite guests, author, actor, director, Larry Blamire. Welcome, Larry. Yay! Sorry, I'm done. That's all you get. That's all you get. Thank you for having me. Thank you. It's always great to be back on here when I return. Well, Greatly appreciate that. Yes, I've noticed that you're on like uh, show 35 and then you came for our uh, show number 50 extravaganza and now it's uh, 65. So it seems like you put out cool stuff roughly every 15 shows. Uh, yeah, and actually those numbers are going to, when we get to like the 80th podcast, those numbers are going to spell out a surprise message for all my fans. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. It's like hey. the decoder ringing um, in Christmas story. Only I have a real, you know, really interesting message. I but really Ovaltine is awesome, man. Is it? No. Is it? I, I, you know what? I, that, that's a name that, I, you know, we all know that name, but is that, that's a real thing, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Surprisingly, no, I, yes, never it had is. it. I, I, I guess. Oh, really? Nestle's quick kind of thing. Yes, mm -hmm. it's basically it, it's yes, it's a it's. I won't say it's a generic Nestle quick because I mean it is its own brand, but it's a generic Nestle quick. Well, it's only generic because uh, Nestle's quick, you know, had the power of Nestle behind it. I mean, Ovaltine was around first. The power of Nestle. The power of Nestle compels you. Kneel to the power of Nestle. Hey, listen, before we start blowing um, a smoke up, up, up Larry's ass, as we tend to do, uh, I, I do have to make an announcement. Um, as per last episode, I have officially watched all nine episodes of the Brady Bunch Variety Hour. Uh, is that is that a thing? <laughs> you do not know the, the, the unending joy of the Brady Bunch Variety Hour? No, I mean that—that's what? What? What is that? Like musical specials that they did or something? Back? Oh, oh, Larry, be prepared <laughs> to have your mind blown. Get to introduce someone to this joy. All right, back in the late 1970s, I believe it was for nine months in 1979. Um, Sid and Marty Croft did the Brady Bunch variety show, where the Brady Bunch, except for Jan, who refused to um, participate, so they grew a new Jan. They sold their house, moved to L.A., and did a singing, dancing variety show with swimmers, special guests, including um, Lee, Lee and Farrah Fawcett Majors, Vincent Price, and the usual guest stars, uh, Rip Taylor and Charo. And this ran for nine months. It was one episode a month. And it is one of the most frightening and hysterical things that I have seen in my adult life. And this is this. Where, now, where did you, how did you see it? Oh, of course, on the YouTubes. 
Ah, the YouTubes. Yes, all nine episodes, for there were only nine, are available on the YouTubes. I don't think this has ever seen the light of an actual release, and deservedly so, but um, it definitely killed Disco. <laughs> this is what killed Disco. I, when, seeing when, Brady Bunch sing, I got the music in me. Yeah. <laughs> and doing the Lucy Disco. Oh, my God. La 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 Lucy Disco. I have a feeling that you could not find the music in any one of the Brady Bunch with a colonoscopy. I personally I personally have not seen this, but I did follow the resulting trial of Sid and Marty Croft at The Hague. Oh, yeah. People thought Pink Lady and Jeff was bad. That is nothing compared to the Brady Bunch Variety Hour. Oh, yeah, it is, It yep. is. I believe, TV Guide's number two worst show of all time. I'm sold. I will definitely be cranking up the YouTube machine. And- oh, Larry, please, you must let me know what you think after watching just one episode. Because it's not just singing and dancing. They also have plots. You see them in their home. Uh-huh. As they deal with, with, with teenage life. In one episode, Greg moves out and moves into an apartment that Rip Taylor owns where Vincent Price is a neighbor. Uh, that's got to be awkward after the whole Hawaiian <laughs> issue. <laughs> <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't remember him from Hawaii. Go figure. Well, there's no, there's no, so there's no continuity. Well, that's... that's oh, uh, no, so no. I either thank you or loathe you. <laughs> I cannot wait to hear which one it is, and I accept either one willingly. It could be both. I accept both of them willingly. <laughs> oh, oh, this is so awesome. All right, I will check all right now let's go back to blowing smoke up your ass, because that's the more... You haven't done it at all yet. Yeah, no, it's, there's really... I haven't even lit the fire. I mean, the charcoals okay, are cold. You light the fire, because in full disclosure, I have not gotten the Blu-ray yet. I am saving all of my money for my vacation, which is coming up next week. But rest assured, provided it's still on sale in two weeks, that is the first thing I'm buying when I get home. Well, I do have the Blu-ray. Exactly. So you blow smoke up his ass for a little bit. I have have some extra um, smoke blowing later on, but you begin the smoke blowing. All right. Kingsfords are lighting as we speak. First... (laughs) First of all, I would just like to say that even though I have the DVD of The Lost Skeleton Returns Again, this is absolutely worth a repurchase. That's my capsule review. Hey, how does it look? How does it look on Blu-ray, Scott? Good, it, especially the color stuff. That oh, oh, I can imagine. Yeah, um, Bill did a nice. Bill Russell, mm-hmm. my guy, my editor, uh, did a, a, a really terrific job of remastering, and it does. Uh, it does look pretty sweet. In retrospect, I remembered that it makes the transition to color, but it is, it's so much more vivid this time. It, it kind of socked me with it. And uh, I'm going, man, this is much better than the Cesar Romero Lost Continent. <laughs> the music to my ears. Better than the Cesar Romero Lost Continent. That's all I waited to hear. I can leave the show right now. Can, We're done. Okay. Uh, Podcasters, pro tip never give your guest a quote for the poster till the end of the show. <laughs> yeah, I won't listen to any. I won't hear a word you say now. Speaking of what? which, the music, the music is so. I mean, I, I have a renewed appreciation for just how fabulous the music is. And you mean John Morgan and Bill? Stormer. Yes, yes, absolutely. It's, Every time I watch it, and uh, we, I was watching it again recently, and and uh, it, it once again, it was like, man, I'm glad we had that music. 
Because that was so important. Yes. I mean, not only is it perfect just for, for creating the mood, it, it tells you exactly where you are in the, in the skelly verse, so to speak. Because, I mean, yeah. the, the, the library cues from La Skeleton of Cadabra, you know, tell you exactly what yeah. kind of movie this is. And this is, okay, no, this is probably like a cheaper universal movie. It's like yep. they, they've actually got some music. Yep, it's definitely in a different different bracket. So it, it's sort of in, in keeping with the, with the, with the film uh, going up one level, just one step. Yeah, and, but, but not too far. I mean, some of it, but what no. I like about it, some of it looks a little bit like a, some of it looks like a movie, and then every once in a while, it looks like, deliberately so, one of those uh, syndicated adventure series from the late 50s. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, the people who worked on that, you know, like, oh, we got a movie. Kiss this pissant little syndicated show. Guy. I'm making a movie. Of course, that's exactly <laughs> the same thing. But was that show with John? Was it John Russell and Chick Chandler? Was it- yeah, that was that was vital. I, I it came out on DVD about five six years ago. Maybe no, it actually has to be more because I saw it. Yeah, it was actually before we shot because it had uh, come out on DVD. The and, and uh, they put out every um, every episode in a sort of a box set. And, uh, and I just fell in love with that. It was a half an hour adventure show. Chick Chandler was the sidekick and a lot of it's kind of gritty and, and there's a real heavy pulp factor to it. Plus they've got, uh, extra public stunt men working on it. So there's a lot, a lot of rough, rough and tumble stuff. It's a great adventure series. And that I remember was one of the inspirations. Yeah. So I don't know when I said five years ago, I meant like more than that. It was about 2006 or seven, I think, that must have come out. Right. That was um, a Soldier of Fortune. Was that what it was called? Soldiers of Fortune. Well, I recognize Chick Chandler from a couple of uh, MST episodes. Yes. Where he was a little buffoonish, but he's actually really good in he's Soldiers very of Fortune. Good. He's very good. And he's kind of like, uh, you expect comic relief, but he's kind of got an edge to him. Yeah. And the two guys make it plain that they'll do anything for money. They will do, <laughs> they'll take any friggin' job for money. And I got to say, the, the, the box set, I think, is is, is pretty uh, affordable. Timeless put it out, and they didn't remaster anything, so it's not going to look really great. Some episodes look better than others. You know how But I highly recommend it because it really is a fun show and surprising. And they and it's interesting how episodes dip into different genres, and they find themselves in any part of the world doing anything. So it's kind of crazy. It's really fun. I honestly do not know this show, so thank you. This is something for me to seek out. Yeah. Okay. I, mean, I definitely know who Chick Handler is, so um, I will, uh, that, that will give me some into it. I will definitely look for this sucker. I'll watch that if you watch Brady Bunch. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is, that's not a deal at all. That's not a deal. <laughs> I, who knows? You may, you may get gleeful enjoyment out of Brady uh, Bunch. I, I think I will enjoy it. Or you may hate me for the rest of eternity. Like I said, I accept either one. Those two things are not mutually exclusive, by the way. <laughs> it's valid. Very valid. <laughs> okay. Now, I have a question about the Blu-ray, Sir Larry. Um, you have mentioned in your various tweets about it that there are some new shorts. And I was wondering, without going into too much detail, what these shorts are. Three featurettes to go with it. Started working on them at I think it was like the end of January. And really, they, his until, you know, sometime in June, that's that, I mean, that was all, that was all I was working on. Uh, the, the, the Blu-ray has taken up the year, uh, half a year anyway. Let's see. There's Son of the Sword of the Dagger is one. 
<laughs> uh, Scott's already giggling. Can we go through these one at a time? Don't go ahead. No, please, please, please. Spoil away. I want to hear this. No, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to spoil anything because they're fantastic. But I just want to say first up that Son of the Sword of the Dagger, besides being a hilarious title, but in no way unbelievable when you look at how long those Italian peplum movie titles were. Colossus and the Headhunters, which I believe is the, the film that you're using, was a brilliant choice for this treatment because the entire cast of that movie seems to employ a style of acting I like to call every line a song cue. <laughs> and in fact, you actually, when yeah. so, when they do that, you actually have a few of them break into song, which is so, so perfect. There was a couple of areas where it was impossible not to have that happen. In, in, one in particular is where the, uh, the female lead turns from the villain and walks toward camera <laughs> yes. and the camera is pulling away as she's, and it is, I mean, it really is breaking into song. And at that particular time, there was no other choice but to make a song go there. Now, that was that was kind of difficult, even more so than the rest of the process, which I already have made intentionally difficult for myself. <laughs> <laughs> which I, can, I can go into the process behind it if you're interested. Yes, absolutely. Yes. I look over some footage. I guess that's A. B... I think of a story that might go kind of with that footage, could be kind of a crazy story, doesn't matter. I write that down, I, I sketch it out, maybe an outline, some dialogue, a little bit of bits and pieces. Step three, I go back and look at that footage, I cut it into what I need, and then, then I, this is the crazy part, then I try to tell the story that I wrote through the lips <laughs> this is stupid this is stupid because what you're doing is making it essentially different if you just took what they're mouthing and and you and you go let them say anything that's one thing because it, it looks like you know it looks like he's saying cabbage i'll have him say cabbage okay but i want to tell that story so it's my story told through words that fit their mouths and it's that's a, and that 15 minutes of Son of the Sword of the Dagger, I found it to be, I mean, it's a challenging thing. I love doing it. But, you know, I scrub the, I scrub the audio completely. Yeah, that means i got to replace every sound effect. I've got to put all of that in there. I have to put music. I was creating music cues by mixing and matching and crunching other cues. And in some cases, because I did all the male voices in that one. Yeah, and that, some, was, that was amazing, by the way. I just, I, I, when I saw, oh, I wonder who we got. I wonder who you got for this. Oh, he did all. Wait, all of them? That was very impressive. And Jennifer Blair did uh, did the females. There's two or three female characters, but most of them, there's about a dozen male characters. And at one point, there's a song I put in there. A couple of songs, actually. And uh, for me, did so I had to do multiple tracks so I could do harmonies and stuff. Mm -hmm. this is oh, my God. What the hell was I thinking? <laughs> Yeah, Jeff, Jeff, this will blow your mind when you see it. Wait, no, wait, wait. I, I, my mind is already blown just hearing the process. I, 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 my nipples are hard right now. I am so excited about this one. This is the first one. I didn't want that to happen. <laughs> too late, too late. Sorry, it's done. I'm, I'm gonna go because I'm gonna go cut your name in, in my mirror. Wow. Oh, this sounds amazing. All three of the featurettes were done in that crazy, wacky process. In the other two, the only difference is that in the other two. Uh, we offered a pledge level reward on Kickstarter where for pledging a certain amount, 
you could take part in that and do some voiceover. Oh. And, uh, and that was an interesting challenge in and of itself because you're you're directing folks through basically through an email process and so it's a lot of back and forth but i with in the end though i was very happy with the way that came out some of the sword of the dagger has no guest stars like that it's the other two that have the guest voices and everyone did a fine job i thought what other what other two movies did you use uh, so the other two are, uh, uh, one is called um, Origin of the Making of Lost Skeleton Returns Again, uh, in which I use some, um, uh, you know, educational slash, slash, <laughs> sorry, it, that's just, sorry. Pick vintage, vintage educational industrial film. You, you pick those for material. I think you, you can't go wrong because it's so, they're, they're so fun, but. I, I, I uh, took footage from several of those to make origin of the making of Lost Skeleton Returns again. And it's basically the story of how the movie came about by way of a think tank. It was created in a think tank. And that, I tell that story. And I did some voices. But, but again, that was a, a lot of guest stars doing the voices on that. The other one was one that was a last minute thing because we... <laughs> We're in the middle of the Kickstarter, and uh, and Mark Stewart, the, who produced this Blu-ray and who had the idea of doing featurettes, he says to me in the middle of the Kickstarter, which is a one-week process, he says, he says, can we do another one because they're really going for the for the voiceover pledges? Can we do another? I said, yeah, yeah, well, sure, I'll do another one. Yeah, okay. So, like an idiot, you know, uh, we got real, like Mark said, we got kind of giddy about it, and and so suddenly I have another one to do, and I came up with. One called "Who is Who is Bill Lading," and "Who is Bill Lading" uh, again came through this process where I looked at some footage. I thought, "Oh yeah, you know what? That could be that could work for this." And I actually kind of made what uh, it's. It ended up being kind of a tribute to Nat Hiken, who was one of the geniuses of television's golden age. If if you have seen and loved Car Fifty Four, Where Are You at All, or the Phil Silver and Sergeant Bilko show. This is Nat Hyken, who I think was a genius. Okay. Um, and and Hyken had a knack for what I call a snowball effect, where a misunderstanding grows and grows and grows because of further misunderstandings until it snowballs. The main difference, and this is a corporate situation where a little corporate thing blows out of proportion. The main difference is, whereas Hyken, <laughs> Hyken's have a shred of, credibility to them i threw that out the window there's no credibility in mine no it's it's refreshingly credibility free (laughs) (laughs) there's no believability it's it's like the the characters in this corporate video are willfully going out of their way to misunderstand what is going on (laughs) so so it's incredibly stupid right scott oh yeah well i mean when you said that hiking that makes so much sense because i immediately immediately now thinking about of a uh, Sergeant Bilko scheme gone awry is what, <laughs> what I was thinking. I, I had two main thoughts besides this is funny, which goes without saying, but the first was, I believe, and I, you know, I'm, I'm no film historian, but I believe this film breaks the record for most repeated transitional shots of the same car pulling up to the same <laughs> building previously held by uh, Ed D. Wood Jr. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, but it, it is also, Absolutely. One of the funniest slow burns I've seen. The The jokes are like contact cold pills. Thousands, thousands of tiny time pills slowly released until what 
what I, I thought at okay. first was going to be like, going to be like a one gag bit about mistaken identity. And it turns into a tragedy about the destruction of America's manufacturing sector by cake. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's an old story. Yeah, oh, sure. Old and sad. By the way, Larry, when you were writing these featurettes, just <laughs> had you recently had a disappointing birthday experience? I mean, I mean <laughs> did you go to a party late and all the cake was gone and you've been hungry you for know, cake ever it, since? It, 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 you might notice that in some of the sort of the dagger, someone says cake too. And it's, uh, and there's one reason for that. Cake is a funny word. That's true. That's it's true. a funny word. It's one of those words. And I mentioned cabbage earlier because God, cabbage is a funny word too. So there are certain words that you, um, you, you throw them in and they're, they're just kind of funny. I think cake is funny. Oh, especially in the context of, of a brawny, oily, Hercules-like action figure, because those guys <laughs> rarely bring up cake. It's a delightful leitmotif. I mean, all directors have their recurrent themes. Hitch, Hitchcock has his obsession about <laughs> men wrongly accused of crime, you know, North by Northwest or the wrong man. And uh, Blantmire has cake. I, I, <laughs> I have to ask you real quickly about the origin. Yes. Who's the white-haired actor who plays oh, the boss? I knew, I knew you were going to... You know what? You suck, Clevenger. You suck. <laughs> That's what people say about me. Blamire uh, has his cake. Clevenger has the amount that he sucks. When I mentioned origin a few minutes ago, I thought, wait a minute, what's his name? And I forgot, wait a minute, Russ, Russ, uh, he's the only person that you you recognize in this. Yeah. And he was a he was a terrific character actor in a lot of TV. Like, you know, it'd be a Perry Mason and... And it's, I think, Russ, Russ Conway. Russ Conway. Thank you. Thank you. I'm thinking, oh, he's a little, he's a little Andrew Duggany, but that's not him. He's a little, you know, it's like I was going through all these names. And I was getting nowhere near it. So I, 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 I hate you a little less. Now. Okay. <laughs> I know. I, I think we should put that on the, um, that, that should be like uh, on the website. You suck, Clevenger, Larry Blamire. <laughs> Here's can have quotes. Why can't websites? Click, click here to find out how. Exactly. I want to ask how many metal hygiene shorts did you have to comb through to find what I think is inarguably the world's ugliest on-camera narrator? It, you know, I'll tell you, it was interesting when 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 I started this. I remembered seeing that a couple of years ago, the one that he was in, and and the frustrating thing was that I could not remember the name of it. Now that means that's pretty difficult. Yeah, and I don't remember how I finally tracked it down because I remember he was unforgettable. I mean, he really was the poor guy did not belong on camera. And he, he, he had probably I, I don't think he'd ever been on camera before, probably not since. And and it was for um, for it was for something so boring I don't remember it. I mean, it was really um, a very dry, dry industry. He was the host. And he's on camera. And there was one time when he does leave frame. He he walks out of frame yes, yes. to walk close up. He really does that. So what I did, <laughs> I did it's hilarious. Played with that, played with the shadow, moved back and forth so that it it prolonged the agony. But doing his voiceover was was fun. I really did enjoy his his voiceover as much as or more than any of these characters. Well, you got it perfectly because it was the sort of like vaguely midwestern but not like kind of like a guy who went to took forensics at the university of kansas and was, <laughs> was going to put that to work for him in the exciting field of educational I gave, filmmaking gave him the name uh, what is it it's peldon henshu yeah that's a oh, that's god a, that's a perfect and peldon. i have to say i'm pretty sure his ears were the model for the ferengi 
<laughs> oh man! So he he was immortalized. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. Also, I uh, as long as we're complaining about each other, um, I'm just gonna. <laughs> just gonna say uh that beware when you watch son of the sword of the dagger because i cannot get the padu Darum song out of my head <laughs> oh no oh no that guy was was the the old guy uh uncle uh uncle Mescus. he was um he was a lot of fun too i enjoyed doing his train of thought his <laughs> train of non sequiturs and uh and i'm glad padu Darum stuck with you brother that's good I mean, I'd, I'd be bitter about it, but I, I guess if I wanted a safe life, I wouldn't have gone into movie reviewing. <laughs> well said. His speech is great. I mean, I'd love, you have to love any public speaker who begins their address with the words, and they can be eaten in the shell. <laughs> okay. I don't know where this speech was going to go, but I'm, I'm going to follow it. <laughs> the bonus features are actual bonus features. Usually they're just extra stuff that they had lying around. But this is all stuff that you purposely made for the project. And again, this was Mark Stewart's idea because he's he's done. Mark Stewart has done he's done more Kickstarters than uh, than uh, Carter has uh, pills. Is that an expression, or did I just make that up? Uh, Carter, uh, Car- Carter had a lot of little litter pills. <laughs> little pills. Okay, that's a stupid expression. And nevertheless, <laughs> Mark Stewart, he's done a lot of them, and he's done a lot of successful ones. And uh, he's the guy that. Basically, he raised most of the money for Lost Skeleton Returns again in the first place, and he, he had the idea of doing this Blu-ray. So he uh, he wanted to load it up, and it is indeed loaded up. I'm very proud of the, the results. I mean, we have behind-the-scenes footage that was not on the original release, and that's that's unusual because, you know, usually everything is dumped on the original release. But we've got – there's a nice long video at the Kyoto Brothers studio all about making the monsters – and that's kind of fun. And uh, and then there's the uh, the making of itself, which is kind of it starts with a table read. Yes, I uh, love that. That was delightful. I I, I, I saw that and I, I oh my God, I didn't know we videoed. <laughs> I didn't know we taped it. So that was a I, I guess I knew back then, but I forgot. <laughs> I was uh, a little I was a little jealous because I've, I've been in some table reads and, and that was the most fun one I have ever seen. <laughs> You notice you, I, I was watching it and I'm looking at me and I'm like, I will not look up from that script. I'm like, would you re-? I'm thinking, dumbass, would you relax and have a good time, please? Mm-hmm. But you're the writer. You can't. I mean, that's how oh, I've been at Table Reads oh, as the writer. I, I, you can't relax. Yeah, try to stay in it and think, and does this work? Is this working? Yeah. But but it really is fun. So, so yeah. And uh, and we also brought, we ported over the, the commentary track from uh, from the DVD so that if someone's buying this as the first time buying this movie they still get the commentary as someone who just heard it it's uh, it's funny fascinating stuff oh, um, i just want to say we're, we're here mostly to talk about the blu-ray not the movie again but i i just love that first shot of paul and the whole the whole idea that this guy <laughs> basically goes from peter graves <laughs> to like charlton heston <laughs> yeah. paul has not you know not a thousand yard stare but you look at him and you get the idea he can definitely see a good 75 to 100 feet. <laughs> Maybe more with LASIK. I don't know. You know, that, and that really, that touches on the, that was the takeoff point for the entire movie. I mean, I think yeah. I mentioned in the commentary. I'm sure that uh, I had, I, I, I guess I was watching Soldier of Fortune there in the jungle, you know, and they're unshaven in there. 
and the idea of of Dr. Paul in that situation and being a bitter alcoholic was so far <laughs> from that, that's so far from home. So that, that it all just expanded from there, you know, the whole thing. So uh, so that's so you you, you touch on uh, uh, something that is uh, is kind of key in a weird way. That's my specialty. Uh, <laughs> and you know what? I I share your not disdain, but minimal enthusiasm for sequels because I think you said either in the commentary or, or maybe uh, there's also some footage from the Q and A at the uh, uh, Egyptian, which I was at, where you said that one of the things about sequels is they usually deliberately try to retread. Well, this worked. What what can we do that's the one to one equivalent of this thing? And this is exactly why a sequel should be done, because you got an idea that made it different while still keeping the stuff that we loved about the first one. There's so I many had, different characters in this. Yes, yes. And I had I had not even thought about a sequel until that image in my head. And 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 when you start thinking, you know, when you, you of that character going through that. Okay, that leads you to Betty. What's Betty doing? What's happened with her? Of course, she doesn't. She doesn't mind. It's okay. Um, but and, and and the jungle, the jungle. Well, what are they looking for? It's another element. And then um, it all expanded from there. And you get you know you got new people like Reed Pappen and Hanscom Drail and you know a new villain. And, uh, and that's the fun thing about it. By the way, I always my example for the sequel to not do the way not to do it is Austin Powers. Mm. Always think of that one as the example because it's the it's the worst case scenario, I thought. Oh, I agree. That's a perfect example, actually. Yeah. I know this is way late. This is so many years later. And, and if you don't remember, that's fine. But because there's such such a hugely expanded cast from Lost Skills of Cadaver, were you writing for, for actors that you just wanted to get involved, or were you just letting the story tell you how many characters there were? Um, because there's so many characters that I think. There are, and 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 let me, I, I do actually have to think about that. Now, I think Danny Roebuck, I know, was now, he he had uh, he'd done a show with Brian Howe, and and Danny was, was given him, <laughs> Brian had a, you know, he put up a Lost Skeleton thing in the dressing, his dressing room area. And I think they were sharing it, maybe sharing a trailer or something, because Danny kept giving them, giving them shit about it. Hmm. I should have been in that. I should have been in that. Why are you in? It was pretty amusing, really. And because Danny does, you know, Danny does a lot of genre stuff. And so when we met, I, you know, I kept him in mind, and I thought, okay, here, you know, this Gondra Slikes character would be uh, would be fun to have him do that. Uh, Kevin Quinn, I knew, and um, and that seemed right for him. I wrote Reed Pappen. And then realized that Frank Dietz would be would be perfect for that. So it what I don't recall like I think I had the role first, and then realized wait a minute because because I remember Frank saying you know I'd love to do a Tales from the Pub if you guys ever do another one. And I said wait a minute, what about this? And so and so there was that. And then Trish Geiger of course uh, uh, no actually Trish had already been she was in Screaming Forehead so. She was not one of the new folks. Um, let's see. H.M. Wynant had been in Screaming Forehead. So actually, uh, there any, uh, I'm trying to think of other folks that were new to this movie. Oh, actually, okay, I'm totally wrong. Danny Roebuck was in Screaming Forehead. Never mind. Okay. 
Forget just, that whole story. I'll, I'll just edit this whole part out. <laughs> <laughs> now, actually, question. Since how that came about, how that came about was right, only it was the wrong movie, because that's the way Danny kind of, you know, jumped in. My, my best friend John was in, I think, Danny Roebuck's first film. It was a student film called, oh. I think it's called All in a Day, spelled like a hashtag, no spaces. And the only reason I remember it is because it opened with one of those showy, love me film school shots. Uh, there's an upended cockroach on a car dashboard and a cigarette stabs down into it. I, I'm pretty sure the ASBCA was not on set. Uh, I have always liked him, loved him, of course, in yes. uh, Dark and Stormy Night. I think I think that's my favorite of the of the parts that he has done for me. I, 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 his his uh, eight o'clock Faraday. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Although although he, he does a fine Bruno Vasota. Oh, in uh, in Skeletor Returns. Yeah, you know Are, it is. Kind of a, yeah, it is kind of the Bruno Vasota role, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. The low budget syndicated TV Sydney Greenstreet. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Uh, you mentioned the uh, the shots in the costume shop, the creature shop, which are just endlessly fascinating to me. And I think anyone would, would find it fun. But I think the thing that's most fun about it for me is that all these people are incredibly creative and smart and skilled, but nobody building the monsters can pronounce them. Yeah. I Watching that again, I, I was I was pleasantly amazed. And I wonder, I wonder if sometimes people are having some fun with that, though, and uh, and maybe maybe sort of you know deliberately having difficulty with it. But I, again, on the other hand, I'm not sure. I yeah, because I mean, you you named a, another like a supporting character in this Benta Vegetantis. Right. I don't think you got to fake having trouble with that. <laughs> it, it, it's a weirdly perfect name for a guy who's the Conrad Veidt evil vizier of the Cantaloupe people. You find that in Peplum a lot, too, where th- that person who has the ruler's ear mm-hmm. and they they sort of just can, you know, lean over and say stuff like that and uh, negative stuff. And they're just a pain in the ass throughout the entire movie. Uh, that's definitely been to Vegetantis, yes. Uh, when Jeff and I interviewed Faye Masterson long, long ago, she, she talked about how much fun it was to work on your films. And at some point, Je- Jeff and I, talking later we decided the best thing in the world for an actor would be to get cast in a larry blamar movie and the worst thing in the world would be to get the script and find out your character's name is bob <laughs> i remember that <laughs> what would yeah but what would be my excuse for using a name like that what would have happened to me something must have no i think know. it's no they, well if 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 i was the one cast it would be well because clevenger sucks i'm not gonna <laughs> i well, no, think of a good name always- you could always make the last name absolutely insane, like Bob Herfendorfer. You could, but that's not. Uh, like that's, the, that's the easy way out. And I've never seen Larry take the easy way out when it comes to. I'm saying if he used a Bob, I mean Bob Smith, this wouldn't work, unless everybody else in the scene had the most obnoxious names possible. Like if everybody had the most blamire names you could possibly blam, and then you had one guy named Bob Jones. Well, suddenly this has turned into a pitch set session. <laughs> I want to play Bob Jones. I, um, Jeff, I will not take the escalator when there's hot lava to walk over. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying, bro? So, I think you know that, that uh, truly that naming characters is there's nothing more fun for me in this silly, silly business 
of these films than naming characters. We still, you know, and, and, and it continues with the um, Adventures of Big Dan Freighter too. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, oh. oh, I still get to still get to name characters there, and and that that's just it's it, I don't know what it is. There's something really fun about it. And suburb on the edge of nowhere, you just come up with the best names. Also, best company product names too. <laughs> really? Oh, there's a what, what is that? It's like it's like where they go to that one company to investigate suspicious to pay activity or something and it's like it's like rugs and loans or something it's just like oh. i'm probably screwing that up but it's just oh, i remember i laughed that, so hard that, at that yes that, there is a company in the, the doc armstrong novel that is like that and i can't remember the name yes all right now i don't feel too bad i'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna read that at some point Apparently, yeah, you really should read it. It's a good book. I think it it's a very it. good book. The author is really funny. I, I have a real fast question. You said that you, you teased the possibility that um, there could be a director's cut of Screaming Forehead Kickstarter. Yes, that is a tease. That is a uh, is also a possibility. That is the only one of your films that I have not seen. God damn it! And I desperately, well, desperately, because you said not. You said it was the director's cut was the one to watch, which is why I have never sought out the even, the, the release version. Even the cut, even the cut version. There's no version that's easy to see. It is the most requested thing. I get asked that all the time, regularly, um, because it has never had a proper release. Either version, really. Uh, IFC picked it up, and there was never a. Uh, they had gotten out of the DVD business, so there never was a DVD of that. So that is a tease. It's also it's a film that it contains, I think, some of my favorite performances of our wacky little group. For instance, Faye. I think I think that is Faye's best performance in in any of our movies. Aw. Just remember hearing the Manhattan Transfer theme song and going, I, I, I need to see this. Yeah, oh, it was it was so great having them. And H.M. Uh, uh, Winan, that is my favorite H.M. Winan performance. And he is wonderfully diabolical in that. Andy Parks, Andy's terrific in, I mean, they're all terrific. They're all great in everything. But, but you know, you have a favorite, you kind of sometimes do. And Andy, in the title role, actually, is I think he's phenomenal. I think he's he's just he, really he's, good. He's got what I th- what I have always thought of as the the Leo G. Carroll in Tarantula role in that movie. Well, it is if 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 he were a lead character and had uh, an arc, right, um, or, <laughs> right, or, or or more of an arc because you know for for a goofy film, his character Dr. Philip Latham actually has. A pretty interesting arc, I think, and I'm happy with that. And I've always liked the 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 concurrent plot threads. There's they run parallel and they meet up in the climax. Yeah, it's a very it's a very well constructed movie. It's also a gorgeous movie to look at. Well, my big thing, the big thing for me is after hearing the adventures of Big Dan Freighter, now I want to see the character's origin. Yeah, it's it's their first appearance. I had the characters already, but they fit in perfectly. Dutch Dan and Millie fit perfectly into the scenario. So that was good. Um, and that's another thing. I think as good as Allison Martin is in everything, Millie in Forehead, I think, uh, is just so funny. I mean, she's she's always hilarious. But but so there's some favorite, for me, there's some favorite performances in there. And Jen, and, and she feels the same way. That's She thinks that's her best work. Droxy? Droxy Chappelle. I think... <laughs> <laughs> And I think uh, 
and she gets to sing a couple of times. Yep. In it. And, uh, and, and so there are many reasons why this movie needs to get out there. So anyway, stay tuned. Hope it happens. Oh, absolutely. And we'll, we will pour the hell out of it because <laughs> I have, I saw it at the Egyptian. Haven't yes. seen, haven't seen it since. And, and Scott, that was the, that was the cut version too. Was that the cut version? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. Well then now I'm really dying to see it. <laughs> Cause I mean, I, in, in, in lieu of the Blu-ray, I actually um, recently rewatched all of your DVD releases. I did Skeleton, Dark and Stormy Night, and Lost Skeleton Returns again on on a giant night of fun. And um, now for me to blow a little bit of smoke up your ass, after having a, a while back, we did the old Dark House on the show, and it was the first time yeah. I'd ever it was the first time I'd ever seen the old the, Dark House, the thirty two one, yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah, the James Whale one. And yeah. um, after after watching you no know, rewatching Dark and Stormy Night, I think I love that film even more. After watching Old Dark House, I have a new appreciation for Dark and Stormy Night. The Old Dark House is is fascinating to me, and it's I think it's a wonderful movie. First of all, just hands down, any genre, it's a, it's a terrific movie. But the interesting thing is, it has the generic title of what we've come to know as a subgenre of horror, if you consider it horror, an Old Dark House movie, and yet it is the most atypical of mm-hmm. any of them because it's a dark comedy. Yeah, and. And it, it just has such a wit to it, whereas 99% of the old Dark House movies in the 30s, I mean, there were so many of them because it was so cheap to do, they, fit a, they, do, they run a formula that is uh, closer to Dark and Stormy Night with Reading of the Will and, and that kind of thing and people getting bumped off one by one, and, uh, which the old Dark House doesn't have. No, you know, no nobody, gets, nope. nobody gets murdered. Yeah, it's interesting, but I love it. And also, this time, I, I, I you may not remember this, but at one point when you were on the show, I made a comment that I had not watched Dark and Stormy Night, the color version. And, oh. and you had said, you know, you really should because the color is so gorgeous. Well, I finally did. I finally went, went, went against myself and I watched it. And you were right. Sweet prom. Fuck, that film is gorgeous in color. <laughs> You know, I love it in black and white, but it was it was a revelation to watch it in color. It really was. I'm kind of glad that I waited so long. I'd seen it so many times in black and white because yeah. it was it was a completely different experience watching it in color. So, but so yeah, that that was it was gorgeous. Yeah, I'm glad you I'm glad you did, and and I'm glad you watched it. But it, uh, because it it really looks nice and it's pleasing. It still wants to be in black and white, and that's still like the main way it should be but it's nice to have the color too so i actually showed a buddy of mine um i got somebody else now inflected into the um blammeyer verse because he is a big fan of old dark house movies the first show of ours he listened to was the old dark house by the way scott oh is that right, right. he finally he's, he's finally checking out our back catalog but i'm like we fine but after that i showed him dark and stormy night and um he had the same reaction that i had seeing lost skeleton for the first time at the beginning he thought it was actually an old movie oh i thought you were gonna say he threw up no 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 he genuinely thought it was it was a 1930s haunted house one but the first maybe five minutes he really did yeah going what 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 when was this what is this you know and as funny as that movie is that miniature cab going across that bridge is no joke that's a thing of beauty. I mean, that is just uh, Anton Tremblay 
Mm. Brought so much to that movie, that incredible set, um, the miniature work. It's phenomenal. I just, I get a kick out of seeing the tiny leaves fall. Yeah, it's just, it really steps the movie up. You know, it's like going, okay, you're in good hands. Now you can just relax and laugh. (laughs) Yeah, and I love the cab interiors too. It looks like a movie studio car interior. That's what it is, and, and that's that's perfect, you know. Yep. Uh, so well done, Anton. Kudos to Anton. Yeah. A- Absolutely. And the other thing that um, I got out of watching all three films back to back to back is unending appreciation for you continuing to come on our little dog and pony show, Larry. Oh, well. Uh... Seriously, it's it, it just I. Watching the, it was the first time I'd watched uh, actually the Lost Skeleton in a very, very, very long time. Um, Dark and Stormy Night has been my go-to film for you, honestly. <laughs> when I get into when I get into a bad mood, I pop that one in. and I feel a little bit better. But you know, watching the two Skeleton films again, it just I. I've said it before. I'll say it again, and I'm going to curse again. I fucking love you, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thank you, and I I, I always uh, get a kick out of coming on here and uh, and talking with you guys. It's uh, it's fun. So, uh, can, can you guys hang out for one second? We're we're running out of smoke. I gotta get the bellows. <laughs> I'm done. Okay. I'm done. I I just, I just had to <laughs> because no, seriously, especially when I got when I when I got around to Lost Skeleton Returns again, again, I'm just sitting there going, and this guy comes on our show several times. This is so awesome. This is a guy that's filmed at Sable Ranch. <laughs> and you know me. Wow. Yes. You've been to the Arboretum. Sable I mean, Sable Ranch, man. Sable. Sable. That's that, sad. Sable burned. Well, oh, man. mostly. I mean, I don't think there's much. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they rebuilt some stuff there, but that was sad. I Yeah, it was. As much as I was enjoying the movie, I was feeling, oh, I bet that's gone. I bet that's gone. Because the movie makes great, great use of it, the setting. It's just so many locations. There's so many things we shot there for Lost Girl to Returns again, including that Hacienda, which pops up on, you know, TV Westerns and movies and whatever. And it had such variety to it, similar to in Screaming Forehead, the use of the, the VA facility uh, when we shot that, which we had, you know, there's a there was a, a water plant there. There's a there was a church. There was uh, a laboratory. There were all sorts of locations in that one location. When you can find a place like that and you can afford it, that's just gold. That's oh, amazing. Yeah. Since there's so much time. And Sable Ranch did that. Oh, and also, real fast, real fast, uh, um, a, a little bit more smoke. I loaned oh, a, a, a... I'm choking now. Oh, oh, just wait. I know. You, you, you're about to get lung cancer from this one. Um, I gave I gave a friend of mine both copies of um, Tales from the Kalama Mountains. Kalama Mountains. You, and mean, you mean both books? Both books, yeah, sorry. And uh, he is now... If he he wants more of those. He said, "Wait, this is the guy that did Lost Skeleton. I want more of this stuff. I want so really? I, what what one? Well, there's two of us now who are saying more, more weird Western stories, please." Oh, you know, I, I every now and then I think of, I, I jot down. Oh, if I ever wrote another volume, here's I wrote I wrote I sketched something for an idea called the Murder Wagon, and Ooh. I then I sort of put it aside. And there's a couple. I may maybe had two or three ideas, but you know. But then you get a whole book. I mean, that is that's a sit down and do a lot of work thing. And uh, gosh, I don't want to do that. Um, <laughs> Just put out the individual <laughs> short stories. Then. Yeah, I know. I know. It's it's a, it's always a question of doing too many things, liking too many things. I enjoy doing right. many things. And 
I've got some more illustrations coming up for uh, the role-playing game that came from Beneath the Sea that uh, um, I've done some writing for them, and I've done illustrations too. Now I've got some more LOs coming up, and then there's other things we want to work on it. So there's always stuff. There's always more stuff, and that's why I don't just sit down and write more Western horror. But, you know, I love I I love doing it. Is it a tabletop game or is it a computer? It's out now. Uh, Yeah, uh, they came from beneath the sea. I am am no more uh, expert on role-playing games than I was when I started working on it a couple of years ago. I am the role-playing game person amongst this group then, I think. Yeah, Jeff, there's nothing Jeff doesn't know about it. Uh, Well, God bless Jeff. I played a lot of RPGs back in the day. Okay, okay, because I, I, I now know what the initials stand for, and that's about all I know. So, yeah! Uh, I, no, I, you know, I did learn some of the mechanics of the game, but most of my writing was fiction, and so it didn't really matter as much. And Matthew Dawkins, who put it together, is a very patient guy. He just wanted me on board, and he's a fan of my, my silliness, so uh, it was really fun to work with him. And the illustrations are great fun to do, so... Um, uh, but yeah, that's it's out there, and it's uh, it's got a sort of fifty sci-fi based vibe to it, and uh, uh, from all accounts, really fun. So if you're there into that, check game, it out. There was a game uh, way, way, way back in the day. I want to say like sometime in the '90s, called it. It came from the Late Late Show, and oh, it was that. it was specifically role playing in B movies. Oh. To the point where you could actually you were you you weren't just playing characters in movies you were actually playing like the actors like like the actor could like storm off the set. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And um, I I only got to run one game. I, I had the system and I only got to run one game in it. My group said it was way 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 too silly. But looking back <laughs> on it, I think I ran the equivalent of one of your films. <laughs> That's the only way I can describe what it came from the Late Late Show was because I did a sci-fi horror kind of creature feature thing. And as I was watching Lost Skeleton of Cadaver again and laughing my ass off again, for some reason that, that particular game popped back into my head. And I was like, oh, so, so now I know why I love that film so much. I kind of did I, I kind of did my little version of that. And I've said this before and I'll say it again. I still hate you, Blamire. You suck. <laughs> For making for making me think for the first ten minutes that Lost Skeleton was a real movie, I was both ashamed and blown away by something that could make me feel that way. <laughs> well, God, gosh, Jeff, I didn't mean to fool anybody. Yeah, sure. Uh-huh. sure. I never meant to cause any harm. Honest. <laughs> <laughs> this is the kind of pathetic begging that the uh, the Sid and Marty Croft trial at the Hague featured. It was really sad. So, <laughs> hey, at least I'm not singing Disco Lucy. Okay, we're going to not go any further with that. I would just like to say that if that's if such a thing exists, uh, I would love to role play the hero in the monster that challenged the world, and I'll tell you why. Because he's he's a he's a man who was not overly concerned about his appearance. If you see the way he fits into that uniform, Tim Holt. Um, yeah, he his name is like is the incredibly unheroic Lieutenant Commander. Twillinger, I think. Is it Twillinger? Twillinger or Twilliger. It's a, and the monster in no way challenges the world. It's the the monster that challenged the world should have been called the monster that mildly inconvenienced the Greater Salton Sea area. 
<laughs> Greatly Inconvenienced is very underused in movie titles. It is. It is. It really it needs to make a comeback. It's just sitting there, people. Yes. That's our gift to you. You know, you got to see Tim Holt in The Magnificent Ambersons if you haven't, because he's brilliant. Yes, he is. He really is. No, no, he's, he's a good actor. It's just he was. Uh, but yeah, he's. Yeah. No, he's a little he's a little I think I don't know if he felt above the material or he just wasn't. He was ailing at the time, too. So oh, was he? OK, well, now I feel bad. No, I, Scott. I, you know, it's still it's still no. I mean, it's it's a valid uh, point, though, as far as the, the what's on the finished film. You know, I mean, uh, the, the kids who paid their 25 cents to see it at a Saturday matinee didn't know he was ailing. Right. Exactly. One last thing I want to say before we go. Uh, there was a lot of talk this summer about how audiences were uniformly surprised and delighted by the cameos in Avengers Endgame. But Son of the Sword of the Dagger features a cameo that's both delightful and kind of disturbing. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. And I, I guarantee you, if you're, if you're a fan of the films, when you get to that scene, you know what I'm talking about, and you, you will be I happy. Appreciate, I appreciate your, not, your spoiler-free comment there, Scott. Thank you. Doing the best. I know. I'm not good at it. I'm, I'm a chatty cat. I appreciate it, too, because now I am both intrigued and disturbed. No, but, I meant, no, I was sincere. I meant that you, you did not reveal that. No, I, I, I am, too. Yeah, absolutely. There was a cameo, and that uh, I appreciate it. Please do not reveal the amazing secret of the son of the sword of the dragon. Well, I guess, I guess, uh, so when Jeff comes out to uh, California for his vacation, I guess we're going to be watching the uh, Lost Skeleton Returns Again special features. I, I, yeah, I need to see, I, I need to see these. And I know the other half of the brain will laugh his ass up at them too. Next time we get together on here, yep, tell me what you think, Jeff. Abs- absolutely, sir. A- I, I, I can't wait. Don't hold back. And I and I want yeah, because that's tweet. Jeff's problem, holding back. Yeah, and <laughs> I want to tweet after you watch the Brady Punch Variety Hour. All right, I'm going to definitely get in touch with you about that. I, I, <laughs> I, I'm Through your attorneys, I assume. I, I'm going to watch that. All right, you heard it here first, folks. Larry Blemire <laughs> suddenly disappears. It's and, my fault. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much, Larry, for coming on. This has been a yes. joy as always. We thank so you, guys. Fun. I always enjoy. It. And if you have not picked up the Blu-ray of The Lost Skeleton Returns again, Larry, where can people find it? Oh, uh, thanks for asking me that, because uh, uh, you might want to go online on your computer machine um, onto the Google thing Ah. and uh, put in uh, Lost Skeleton Returns again, Blu-ray, and and it should come up. And if it doesn't, Hydraulic Entertainment is the company, uh, uh, that's Mark Stewart's company. That's where you find it, in all its goodness. And it, uh, it comes in a very attractive clamshell case. Yes. So I think you'll, uh, anyone would enjoy having that in their home. Uh, also, where can people find you on social media? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, in my uh, Facebook, I have a public Facebook page. Just Google Larry Blamire. Twitter, easy enough. Same thing. Just Google my name. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> just uh, Google my name on Twitter. No, that doesn't make sense. Tweet my name. I don't know. No, don't tweet my name. Just look on there. You'll find me. Who cares? Do we have to do everything for you people? Jeez, uh, we've been spoon feeding. If you're not following him yet, you want to start following him. He'll make you giggle. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We will be back in two weeks or less. And until later, later. <laughs>